This episode of History Goes Bump is entirely listener-supported. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. you spooktacular people welcome to this 252nd episode of the history ghost bump podcast ghost tours for the theater of the mind i am your host diane and this is denise on this episode we are bringing you another location in santa cruz california and that's the brookdale lodge this has been suggested by several people but in particular our listener and executive producer sasha wolf and sasha helped us out with this one greatly because about a year ago, she sat down with the Santa Cruz Ghost Hunters and did almost two hours of audio recording with them. We're going to share some of that with you on this episode, particularly the parts about Brookdale Lodge and a little bit about the team itself. And then in a bonus cast for our executive producers, we'll throw in all the other details about how they conduct their ghost hunts and some of their theories about what ghosts are and other details like that that you guys would enjoy. So thank you to Sasha for helping us out with the interview on this one. Before we get into that, we want to welcome to the Spooktacular crew, Steph. Hi, Steph. Angela. Hey, Angela. Sarah with an H. Hi, Sarah with an H. Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Holly. Hi, Holly. Jessica. Hey, Jessica. Harry. Hi, Harry. And Paul. Hello, Paul. And now, this moment, Naughty. Moment in Oddity was suggested by Jennifer Durham. The Savannah Hilton Head International Airport has a really unique feature on one of their runways. Some might mistake two patches on the runway as some kind of repair work, but these slabs are actually two headstones. They mark the final resting place of Richard and Catherine Dotson, whom both passed away in the late 1800s. There was, of course, no airport here at the time, since the first flight had not even taken place. The couple had been buried in a family cemetery on Catherine's family farmland. There were about 100 burials in the cemetery. In the 1980s, the airport wanted to extend runway 10, but this would mean that the runway would go right over many of the plots in the cemetery. Descendants allowed the airport to move all of the bodies except for Catherine and Richard. Since they had loved the land and they were considered the patriarch and matriarch, the family felt the couple would not want to be moved. So the airport paved over them and decided to honor them by placing two headstones over their graves. Family members can visit with an escort. These two graves are the only known graves to be embedded in an airport runway in the world, and that certainly is odd. Get out. And now, this month in history. In the 
month of April on the 2nd in 1863, a bread riot occurred in the Confederate capital of Richmond, Virginia. The Civil War had now reached three years in length and the Union had taken over or blocked most of the coastal ports near Virginia. This left the people of Richmond nearly starving and food prices were outrageous. Prices for kitchen staples had risen by 10%. A group of low-income working women called together a meeting and called on attendees to join in an action the following day where they would meet outside the Capitol building to demand justice and specifically bread from the government men. A hundred armed women showed up the next day and demanded to see the governor, who dismissed them. Angry, they made their way toward the market district. They used axes to loot shops and stole meat from carts on the street. They chanted, bread or blood, bread or blood. The governor and Jefferson Davis offered them bread, but that only made them angrier. Finally, a riot guard loaded their weapons and the women went home. News of the bread riot made the New York Times, and so several women were arrested. They had to be let go because the jails couldn't afford to feed the prisoners. Santa Cruz has come up several times on the podcast. The city is a redwood forested wonderland, but it is also a mystical and supernatural dreamland. One of the most well-known locations in Santa Cruz is the Brookdale Lodge, an establishment that has been around for over 100 years. This was a place for the wealthy and famous to relax and later became a family getaway. Today it is striving to recover from years of neglect to obtain some sense of its former glory. Some things left over from the past are ghosts. There's reputedly quite a bit of activity here. On this episode, our listener and executive producer, Sasha Wolf, interviews the members of Santa Cruz Ghost Hunters to talk about technique, theories, and the Brookdale Lodge. Let's start off with names and responsibilities. I want to know what you guys do on this crew. What do you bring to this crew? So if we could start on the left right here, that would be awesome. I'm the geek, so I kind of take care of baselining equipment, doing a a baseline uh, uh, EMF scan of any area that we're going to investigate. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I bring to the table. She's our techie. <laughs> there you go. You need <laughs> one, right? Bath Gemini. Redneck nerd. Alrighty. I'm Rhiannon and I do research and I, me and Marianne tag team on, on our findings and collaborate and piece together the clues to the puzzle. We might also describe what we do in our, our for our day jobs. I, I work oh, yeah, in the yeah. I love that. We're yeah. Rhiannon, libraries. Works in the library, so you know, there's yeah, it goes hand in hand, yeah, goes hand in hand for sure. I'm I'm Marianne Porter, I'm the founder of Santa Cruz Ghost Hunters, proprietor of Santa Cruz Haunted Tours, and recently author of Haunted Santa Cruz, California. How do you like this? So, my primary function is just is you know, finding the historical. Values in, in paranormal places, researching, collaborating with the team, and, and you know, trying to get our, um, our investigations going. Great. Yeah. Awesome. I'm Jay Alvarez. I produce the podcast for the team and also work on web development. And uh, when I say podcast for the team, when we go out and do investigations, uh, you know, we usually have the people that are interface. So we set up Marianne and the rest of the group to ask questions and talk to the people at the establishments. And I do the recordings and, you know, come back and do all the post-processing and stuff like that. Yeah, don't let them sell themselves short. He actually is 
the guy that captures, sets up the mics and does, because that, that is a big... And he, well, he seemed to be really... That's a big piece of... That's a key piece of evidence, is what you can capture yeah. as far as sound is concerned. It's yeah, like, uh, exactly, and quality. So yeah, important. Absolutely, and that's so one thing I like to do is bring, you up, bring in these uh, condenser microphones, for instance. Because the dynamic microphones aren't going to pick up the noise floor as much as the condenser ones. The condenser microphones you might already know are the yeah. ones that they use for music yeah to record music and you're getting really low low noise uh, noise ratio to the floor so you can really pick up a lot of details where the dynamics won't be able to so uh, you know yeah. into that i guess definitely sound nerd <laughs> yeah sound nerd there you go and Jane, what is your profession i play guitar for weddings and events at my business i go out and play pretty much anywhere from here to Big Sur, to Sacramento, to Napa, to Calisto. Wherever it takes you. Right? Wherever I can get the jobs. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Sounds so good. Thank you. <laughs> well, these two over here are really promo investigators. Rhiannon, Vaughn, and uh, Marianne. And I just kind of follow them. <laughs> She's I, a team so I'm a professional historian, so I've published in um, historical journals. So I do all the stuff that's hard to find. I find stuff. <laughs> there you go. In the cemetery, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we lose a lot at Evergreen. There's a lot that's been lost, and Very nobody nice. can find it, and I find it. I don't know how I find it. Research is some of it. Maybe thirty percent, maybe fifty, sometimes seventy-five. It depends. I don't really know what I do. Really, it just just you're just a great part of the team. You're <laughs> such a great, you're such a great part of the team that you just like mesh into it. Like, right. That's she's what it sounds like. She's sensitive, so she helps us yeah. key yeah. on the areas that we need. And so I can't well. function without Tim, who is really not here today. Mm -hmm. He is the point man. He will go in and make sure the area is actually somewhat safe, even structurally. Like, mm -hmm. you know, he'll crawl in and go, okay, girls. Nothing's gonna fall on you. I checked yeah. the name, you know. Yeah. But he also is really good. His name is Tim Lowe. Um, I have. I'm a fiction writer too, so I publish and I publish about. I publish. Well, it's here on my card. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, and they they always tell me, you know, go in there, and then I yeah. go in there and I sit, and sometimes things. Um, I, I just, I can't describe it. No, not describe <laughs> it. It just happens and I have no control over it. This is how I feel. It's yeah. just, I um, just go to sleep and then things happen. Great, that's awesome. And then what's uh, what's Tim's background? What, what's Tim's profession? You said he was a point uh, He's a volunteer sheriff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, law enforcement. Formerly yeah. he was uh, uh, a prisoner. Military. Military. Yeah, the military. He was a prison guard. He worked for the feds. He did SWAT. Wow. Yeah, he's got a great, great history track record. So he, yeah, he is kind of like he's, the, yeah. he's the muscle. Yeah. 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 He's also a big, really big guy. You know, so. But he, the reason why I say I can't work with him is he sits next to me and makes sure that I come back, basically. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. um, that I can't, or he'll just say he's a grounding force for yeah. Sanji. Otherwise, that's I'm, good. Yeah. So I don't. I can go in and when he, I'm not with him, Marianne or sometimes Reed 
we'll do that. And definitely that keeps me focused. Like, oh, it's cold there, you know, and I'll go in it. So yeah, I guess so channel what? Channel would be. Yeah. We kind of tune in. Yeah. There's frequencies there and you kind of tune in. And I can see things in photographs too. Like I can tell where the hotspots are in the photographs of that place. Or outside of the house. I can look in the windows and know that there's something in there. Wow. So it's kind of a creep too. You can come to my house. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure or anything, you know. But it'd be pretty cool to get some insight on that. What do you guys, as a as a crew, want the public to know about the paranormal? Mm, good question. Well, that it does exist. Yeah. And it's not always weird and it's not always negative, but that it does exist and it's in a way that you can actually prove it. Mm-hmm. There are ways to get that Yeah, undeniable evidence. I want people to have an open mind. And they shouldn't be too, you know, it's like so many times we've walked into places that seem genuinely quite scary, but you you hear about a door opening by itself and you go test, is that door actually hung properly or is there some creak in the the floor that kind of makes it open? And you just got to suck it up a little bit and, and go into it and really... Check it out. Like you said, it's an open month. Right. We did one uh, investigation for this family and this Salinas, and it was like they told us stories about things that had happened there. And Beth goes in there, and it's like it's primary. It was an old house, and uh, it was EMF for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, the paranoia. Weird feelings and so on. It definitely attributed to you know, and it was like Beth put their mind at ease about that because they they were leaving the house. They just couldn't stand it anymore. It's a beautiful little house. <laughs> but from a ministry perspective, it also provides a very good way for people to communicate deep seated losses, mm-hmm. move on themselves in addition mm-hmm. to the whatever's lingering yeah. there. I've, I've I've seen that firsthand. I really think that adds to what we really want the public to understand about it, though, yep. is that mm-hmm. those that are experiencing it, validation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Validation. I think that's, yeah. that's really important there. Especially if you could give them a little snippet of some kind of evidence, like an EVP or, oh, yeah. you know. Right. Uh, or tell them you've got high EMF, you've got rats in your walls, right. you've that's got right. you know, a house that's suddenly <laughs> Do you the doors are just answers to their question. I'd like to add more onto the science part. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is what probably motivates, I'm sure, all of us. Yeah. Uh, for me, like, I'm really, really fascinated with this. I think we're barely peeking into a certain mm-hmm. dimension mm-hmm. that we have not been able to do as yeah. much in the past because our technology has not been there. That's right. Nowadays, you know, the military is out there and they're able to look and look right through rocks Crazy. and get to yeah. the other side by all this uh, technology that he's going to do so. And I think there's going to be a time that it's not going to be a laughing stock anymore. No, we're okay. going to be able to find dimensions. We're going to be able to look at the you know instead of just poking and barely getting little peaks the door's gonna be wide open right and people are gonna actually see wow it's been there all the time we just won't, haven't been able to yeah. see it or, or, or we've had the no, technology no yeah no different than the available hubble, to the see hubble scope you know for thousands of years people can only so, so see so far now look how far we're seeing now yeah and i think mm-hmm. this time's coming soon yeah i think within the next 50 years it's going to be pretty obvious there's other dimensions out there and the russians <laughs> did have a huge site program and we did too all remote viewing and there were all of these other things that they were investigating and me personally I would really like to see more of that because I as a trained martial artist I felt energy and, and yeah. I have felt all that I think the mind is quite capable of seeing things I mean sometimes I think 
we intersect with time on these investigations. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Some weird. I definitely had that experience. Yeah. Is where it felt like time slowed down. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's also the resi- the the residual hauntings where things are just playing back over and over again at a particular yeah. time of day. It was just mm-hmm. something that happened so much. The energy has just been embedded wherever you are, and that is kind of the same kind of thing. Yeah. You're stepping back into time a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not exactly talking about the slower. Yeah. Stone tape theory. What is it? Stone tape theory. The, the stone tape theory. It's the theory that natural resources, certain porous natural resources, can record electromagnetic memories and record days and times. Yeah, well, well, that's the risk of the action because it has yeah. a trifecta going on. It's got running water, the uh, Soap mm-hmm. Hill Creek, it's got limestone, mm-hmm. it's got traumatic events going on. Uh, a couple other things that happened. It's proven quartz crystal oscillates. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. There's your energy. So how they tap into it and use it, that's not unrealistic. It's not a stretch. This was a a question from Stephen Pappas from Facebook, and he wants to know, what do you guys believe a ghost or spirit is? Energy. 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 I mean, once your body dies, you know, your your soul or your energy Mm -hmm. is what's left to release. Mm -hmm. Energy never dies. It just transforms. Definitely. So, amen. Says, you know, <laughs> energy just changes. It just changes. It just yeah, it never goes away. You know, your physical body, yeah, of course. But, yeah, your soul, your spirit, let's see, mm-hmm. your energy. All right, so um, getting into the Brookdale Lodge. What is the history of the Brookdale? Just, just the general history? Yeah, 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 just general. It doesn't have to get into too much, but just know that the next question is going to be, uh, what are some historic circumstances slash stories that might be caused for paranormal activity? Okay. Um, so if you want to like only focus on those or? Well, let's see. The general history is it started uh, with Judge James Hardy Logan, who was basically the founder of Brookdale. Mm-hmm. He also had built the cabin, the original cabin the original at, at the lodge, which is still in existence today. He was uh, not only a botanist, I believe, for the Loganberry. He created the Loganberry, which was a cross between a raspberry and a poisonberry or a blackberry. blackberry. <laughs> yeah. He ran for Superior Court judge and won. Now, there was something going on with the Grover Mill Lumberyard that he was involved with, with uh, a guy by the name of Jetter, who was ex-lieutenant governor, also his banking partner. Well, the guy Jetter, yeah, no conflict of interest there. Right. Right. <laughs> so, plus, you know, he's a judge, and then, you know, he got the Jetter's attorney, and any, anyway, there was this big, huge conspiracy that Logan and Jetter and these other high elite guys were uh, uh, suspected of fraud for taking over the lumber mill, which was part of what Brookdale was back then. Mm-hmm. So that actually led to the demise of his career. Yeah. It's, it, it can only it go on for so long. Yeah, yeah. It basically ruined him. Yeah. His wife died of Bright's disease. He married, remarried a year later his stenographer, who was about 20 years old, and he was about 60-something, I believe. Mm-hmm. The, the Brookdale Lodge ended up selling to Dr. Camp. I mean, Logan did make it into, you know, a uh, uh, cabin, you know. Yeah. Uh, a little lodge, but it ended up selling to uh, uh, Dr. Camp in the 20s, who ended up uh, building the Brook Room, actually, around the creek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
history goes on to say that uh, you know Dr. Camp wanted a dry lodge. You, know, you had like high elite people coming there. You know, you have Marilyn Monroe who was there. You've had uh, her uh, Hoover, President Hoover, who would who would sit at the, uh, up on the creek bridge, and yeah, he'd have his fishing pole in one hand, his cigar in the other, and uh, the uh, and, like sir, waiter service going. The waiter, <laughs> the waiter that uh, yeah. chef would come out and cook his trout for him. <laughs> Living the life. Living the life. So we have rumors of gangsters and whatnot that uh, you know Al Capone, mm. and then there was another one out of San Francisco after Capone. I know none of us have seen the tunnels. We've all heard oh, yeah. about the tunnels. This is a reputed entrance to the tunnel, but we never actually got mm. to get into yeah. it. And right. Confirm, yes, this is a tunnel. My um, my husband, which is so crazy because I was reading him the questions and I was like, what do you think about this question or that question and stuff? And then this was actually a fan question from the Spooktacular crew on our Facebook page. Because they went through and did like a whole bunch of research on places here in, in Santa Cruz also like because the Brisbane mansion like sparked a lot of interest in this area mm. uh, th throughout throughout our listeners and then so one of the one of the ladies came in and she was just like this is what I saw about like the Brookdale Lodge ask them if they've like you know seen it or heard about it if it's true if it's not and then as I read this to my husband, you know, he works as a tree, like a hazard tree removal. And in the neighborhood behind the Brookdale, the last house at the end of the street has like a whole bunch of land. And then so they went over there to do some work and everything. And Jonathan found an entrance to a cave while he was out there on the land in all this acreage and everything and found found uh, one and then another guy on his crew on the other side of the property found another one. Across Highway 9? No, no, on the other, like going, um, okay, so like, you know, if you're coming up Highway 9, Brookdale Lodge is on the left, the next turn goes into street, a little street yeah exactly mm -hmm. last house at the end so it was like going up the mountain up the mountain, like up the mountains for prohibition yeah that, that's what the rumor is is prohibition tunnels were in existence and mm -hmm. i know they did uh, at one point ground penetrating radar in the parking lot of brookdale mm -hmm. lodge many years mm -hmm. back ago and they were able to determine that there are tunnels down there but there's no way to yeah. Give them up, or there was storms no that have been what they, you know, like the last 20, 40, 50 years of because you know, like we get crazy and earthquakes, and yeah, yeah, so it's like those tunnels will probably be full of water. Not only full of water, but I mean, it's like most of them have probably either collapsed. like collapsed or something mm -hmm. like that. But it was interesting hearing my mm -hmm. my husband be like, "Oh yeah, I saw you know, you know, there's a whole bunch of entrances to caves." You know, that'd be interesting just then, to uh, go check. Can we borrow? Can we borrow your husband? <laughs> 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 he shows me that. I think he's totally into it because he's he's like he's a history buff. And he loves the paranormal, so ah. I think he wants to know just as bad as anybody well, else. Well, you know, let's know, do an investigation. Sure. Get your husband out there with us. You know, just show us where these tunnels are, and we'll, we'll do yeah. our thing. And um, okay, just <laughs> don't record around him because he giggles when he gets nervous. <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't want that recorded. Oh. <laughs> just know it's not a little girl giggling. Yeah, it's just Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the history of the Brookdale Watch, then. The area where the Brookdale Lodge is now located was once the headquarters of Grove Lumber Mill, and this was in 1870. And at that time, the property was known as Clear Creek. And I think it's because Clear Creek runs through the property. 
It was eventually purchased by James Harvey Logan in 1900. Do you know one of the things that he's known for, Denise? No. The Loganberry. It's a mix between blackberries and raspberries. Those are both good ones. Yeah, I think that would probably taste pretty good. I've never had one. He was a lawyer, judge, and horticulturist, and he converted the property into campgrounds and a hotel with cabins and a small dining hall, and he called it Brookdale Lodge. In 1902, he bought the town of Brookville and changed its name to Brookdale. He put in a wagon road and laid out lots in 1907. His wife, Catherine, died in 1909, and he remarried in 1910. He sold off the land the following year to John Bois, who wanted to build a subdivision. Logan then moved to Oakland, but he did continue to do business in Santa Cruz. In 1922, Dr. F.K. Camp, who was a Seventh-day Adventist physician and strict prohibitionist, took over the Brookdale Lodge, and he hired architect and landscaper Horace Cotton to design a dining room that would straddle a creek running through the lodge grounds. This became known as the Brook Room and is Bavarian in style with stained glass windows and an expensive chandelier. The original 1870 building was also remodeled into a lobby and reading room. Camp was so strict about his dislike of alcohol that he would sniff customers' drinks, and if they smelled like they contained alcohol, he poured them out into the brook. (laughs) Can you imagine you've just bought yourself a cocktail and he's like, "Uh uh-uh. No, that's like quite strict. (laughs) Tourists would come from all over to stay at the lodge and visit the beautiful redwoods in the Santa Cruz Mountains of California. Many of these guests included the famous like Marilyn Monroe, Tyrone Power, Joan Crawford, Rita Hayworth, and President Herbert Hoover. The Lodge's Mermaid Room is a bar with underwater views of the swimming pool. It has murals of former guests Humphrey Bogart and comedian W.C. Fields, and the exterior has a mural of another former guest, James Dean. Dr. Camp sold the lodge to A.T. Cook and W.G. Smith in 1945, and they continued to run things as business as usual. In 1951, a consortium of San Francisco businessmen bought the property, but they quickly sold it to Barney Morrow, who also owned the Brookdale Inn across the highway. A fire started in the Brook Room in 1956, and it needed to be rebuilt. The campgrounds were done away with at that time as well and paved over with a parking lot. Can you imagine, Denise, you destroyed the campground for a parking lot? That's crazy. I know. We wouldn't be staying there then. Many of the cabins were demolished in the 1960s and replaced with hotel rooms. Things started to go south for the lodge starting in the 1980s. A flood destroyed much of the dining room. A real estate investor named Bill Gilbert paid $2 million for the property in 1990. Staff apartments were burned in 2005 and never rebuilt. Bill Gilbert, actually, I believe he holds on to the property for 17 years, and their family really loved it and really tried to take very good care of it. Staff apartments were burned in 2005, and they were never rebuilt because they could not get the insurance money together for it. And then a Sanji Kakar, I think is how you say his name, purchased Brookdale in 2007. And under his direction, the lodge slid into health code violations and disrepair. This guy talked a good game, but he didn't do hardly anything to take care of the property. And it got piled up with garbage. I mean, it was just horrible. So he eventually had to place it into receivership. In July of 2015, the current owner, Praven Patel, purchased the property for $2.75 million. He's been working to restore it ever since, but it has been a slow process. His first concern was getting the hotel back up and running. And the last thing that I saw, this was very difficult for me to figure out what was repaired, what has been restored, what's open. I think in June of 2017, they were hoping to open up the hotel. If any of you live in Santa Cruz and know for sure, we'd love to hear back because I could not verify whether that was actually opened at this time or not. 
And I believe the next thing he was going to try to get back up and running was the Brook Room, but it has a lot of work and he wants to make sure he gets it back to its original condition. There are rumors of hauntings at the lodge. Do you believe that the paranormal activity happening in the Brookdale Lodge is in direct correlation with things that, that have happened there? Oh, yes, so, definitely. Okay. Yeah, it is huge. Yeah. And you have to remember, too, the Brookdale Lodge, you have Boulder Creek Cemetery on one side. Mm-hmm. You have Felton Cemetery over here. You have Brookdale that's kind of like in a triangular yeah. effecta. <laughs> Plus, you have the creek that's running through it and all the stone and mm-hmm. just this energy that is just... Constant. Oh, and then all those things that actually happen there, you know, yeah. it's just, it, yeah. it records it, I think. Yeah. I would say next to the Tuttle Mansion... Brookdale Lodge is number one for uh, hauntings. Brookdale Lodge and Tuttle Mansion. Well, I love Creek. That was I love Creek. That too. was pretty it's tragic. It's tragic, but it was every time we went there. Yeah, something. All right. So the next couple of questions are correlating to uh, the stone tape theory, and especially like how you were talking about. There's all of these different factors around the Brookdale Lodge mm-hmm. that. Either, you know, of course, A, records the things that have happened, right? And B, probably enhance the amount of activity and energy that's around there. So in your opinion, other than keeping in mind the stone tape theory, in your opinion, what is the most active area on this property? Where do you guys find the most evidence? Ooh, that's hard to say. From what I've experienced, the uh, the bar by the mermaid room was where, because it's completely enclosed, there are no windows in that place, and I think several of us, I know I have, I've had a friend of mine that has uh, experienced a rush of air in that room. And there is no reason. There's no cross ventilation in that room. Um, uh, the bathroom near the mermaid room, that's like right around the corner, around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had sh- uh, bathroom stalls uh, where the door would just suddenly open and then slam while somebody's sitting on the toilet. Not yeah. me. That's just rude. I mean, if it's going to scare the shit out of you, you might as well be already sitting on a toilet. Apparently somebody had a heart attack. Good one. Yeah. Apparently somebody had a heart attack. Somebody had the restrooms. Yeah, the elderly lady. Now that the the dance area, the bar was where I had my first encounter with the little girl. The bar in the Brookdale Lodge, and this is before I even got into ghost hunting. You just hanging out. Yeah, I got back from living uh, up north, and we're just hanging out with some friends and. Like I said, no ghosts, no, no, nothing of the story. I didn't know anything. And here, all of a sudden, this I see this little girl, and it's like midnight or so. Mm-hmm. World, Where are your parents? You know, I'm just watching <laughs> her wander around, and she's like going to this couple next to us, and she's like tapping the woman on the shoulder, and the woman just kind of brushing her off, and you know, and yeah. she's just doing her thing. And finally, she gets close enough, and I'm like, "Honey, are you okay? Are you lost?" Mm-hmm. You know, she's got this little toy or something clutched in her hand and she just stood frozen like a deer in headlights sounding like yeah because then there's an acknowledgement yeah and she's all like wait you can see me i know right when i look back at uh, from this experience it was like time had slowed down for that moment moment. Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden she bolts to the brook room and you know i talked to the one of the employees there and you know, lost little girl I think she just went to 
that way. <laughs> and the lady's all trying to open up the door. She can't open up the door. She's like, sure, she went in there. I'm like, yeah, I just saw her. You know, she's like, well, how'd she get in? I'm like, she opened the door. Actually, <laughs> 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 your mind could have put in place for you because in your rational thought, someone has to open the door for you. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At that time, they had a lock on that door because it was after hours and oh, the dining room was shut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she un unlocks it to go search and, you know, doesn't come up with there's no little missing girl or nothing. I thought it was just a guest who was just wandering around the hotel. Yeah. And then I didn't think nothing but the party with my friends some more. But yeah, it was really. And then really now cool. looking back, you're like, holy shit. I was like, <laughs> My yeah. son and I used to stay there when, uh, before I even moved to the area about early 2000, and we always rent the, um, the one room that had two queen beds, it was on the corner, and never got a good night's sleep in that room. It always wow. feeling like the, the bed, somebody was sitting on the bed, you'd feel that depression, you know, and mm -hmm. you'd be like having a hard time to sleep, or you get in that funky sleep where you're disconnected. Yeah. And then my son and I, when this was before I even hooked up with these guys, we were running around there with meters and stuff. <laughs> we walked by the pool room, and this is, you know, kind of late in the year. No, nobody was really swimming, you know, but there was plastic chairs and stuff stacked all over the place. And so Carl and I are running around with our meters and all that kind of stuff. And we're trying to peer into the pool room, and all of a sudden a bunch of uh, stuff falls. And we're like, <laughs> that was our saying to each other. That's interesting. Yeah, especially when there's no one around. Yeah, it was just you. Up, You're not there anymore, and then bam. Right, right. That had employees report that uh, in the bar too. That uh, you know how you have uh, the glasses hanging. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the like the cocktail. Yeah, hangers, that they yeah. all of a sudden just start rocking, pushing out, and crashing mm -hmm. to the bar one, two, three at a time. Wow. For no reason. Nothing. Yeah. Nobody's there. Um, no earthquake, no anything going on. Right. And one at a time. One at a time. Wow. <laughs> the last time I was there, I was probably 11. I was probably 11 years old. You know, my aunt lives in Boulder Creek. And so we would drive from Fresno or Yosemite, wherever we were living at that time, and then go and visit her. But we'd always go and have dinner at the Brookdale. But oh, like, wow. always, because they just loved the Brook Group. So. I, I, we probably went over it, but if there's one thing that you guys uh, could pick out as your favorite experience at the Brookdale, what would it be? Even if we already went over it, just so I could reference it in my notes. Uh, mine, personally, it would be the experience the, seeing yeah, the little girl. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. It, it, and especially, it was unwarranted as well. Like, you didn't go in there and you're like, Little girl, right? Yeah. Here, whatever. She literally came up to you. <laughs> right. yeah. I haven't had any experiences at Brookdale. I just yeah. know the ones that, hey, this happened to me. You know, I got pushed. I got yeah. pushed. I know somebody got pushed mm -hmm. down the stairs, and you know, but I haven't had any experience. I've had a couple. Uh, you know, the, the ghosts of air. Yeah, one thing. Definitely. The um, what I was telling you about when we used to stay there before I even hooked up with the ghost hunter group, and we yeah, yeah, were just doing our own thing, and that stuff all fell. You know, that, that was interesting. One of my favorite other ones, though, is my ex-husband and I went there for a New Year's Eve. Mm. And it can happen for a lot of reasons, static electricity or what have you, but there was a balloon, a helium balloon, had lost a lot of its air, so it hovered right about here. Yeah. And it followed me the whole flipping yeah. night. Nice. From the bar, into the dining room, to dance, back to the bar at the end of it all. Mm. That mother was still there. Oh, and wow. it was just like... Did you dance with it? Or? 
No, at, at least, just like you every know, time I turned around, there was, you know, and, and, and my, my ex-husband kept saying, it's right there again. I don't know that it was, you know, there was a couple times I felt my hair get touched or, or something, you know, those, wow. I, I felt very intimately connected with the place because right. it was what I connected with when I first moved to that. That's what a lot of people have said that they feel connected to that place. <laughs> Unfortunately, our team, because the Brookdale Lodge was closed, yeah. we yeah. didn't all have an Get opportunity to, to investigate. I mean, I've investigated prior to the whole team forming, mm -hmm. uh, but as a whole, because of its closure, yeah. we yeah, don't have to get in there. Yeah. So when it opens, is that your guys' like first? Oh yeah, yeah. like this is what we're gonna do. Concession out of it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I have plans with the owner to go ahead and and run tours there, and I'm talking to him about actually doing a storefront as well. You know, for oh, that'd tours. be awesome, especially especially with the history right. and everything. That would be so great. Actually, the haunted tours were not to be dismissed. They actually were quite popular. Yeah. 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 You know, they put us on a Groupon one time, and I mean, we were busy. Yeah, I was almost like, shit, man, we're not getting paid for this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, hopefully we'll get some equipment out of it, you know. Right. But, I mean, it was, actually, it was... Yeah. It was almost on schedule. So, so the interest is there, but the, the price wasn't there. quite right. The most famous ghost belongs to Sarah Logan, who was the six-year-old niece of James Logan. She drowned in the creek running through the dining room. She must have been wearing a blue and white Sunday dress at the time because that is what most people report her spirit to be wearing. She likes to play near the fireplace adjacent to the lobby, or she does occasionally walk through the lobby. Guests have had her come up to them crying and looking for her mother. She vanishes when they turn to look for her mother. A little girl was visiting with her family, and she saw the ghost of Sarah Logan. She reported that the girl was wearing an odd dress and playing by the indoor stream. She wanted to go play with Sarah, but her parents said no because they didn't see any little girl by the creek. Two recent owners were so disturbed by Sarah's presence after they saw her multiple times that they called in clergy and a psychic to cleanse the brook room. Sarah still seems to be there, so they apparently failed. And as we heard in that part of the interview, obviously the Santa Cruz ghost hunters have had experiences with Sarah. And I know ghost adventures went to the Brookdale Lodge, and I believe they had some interaction with Sarah as well. The lodge also has a history with gangsters, and there seem to be tunnels running around the property, as you heard in the interview as well, and it is believed that they use these. Rumors have circulated that bodies were buried on the property, and this has led to reports of other apparitions being seen and other unexplained activity. A 13-year-old girl drowned in the pool, and many guests have seen her apparition in that area, which would be the mermaid room. Denise Dalton worked at the lodge in the 1970s, and she had a terrifying experience. She described as, I was walking in the lobby, and all of a sudden, something hit me with such force, I didn't have any time to put my hands down, so I fell on the floor and smashed my face. Do we know anybody who's had that happen to them, Denise? Um, somebody. <laughs> I don't know for sure that a ghost pushed me down in Denver, but I we were talking about a ghost. We were standing in the area where these ghosts would apparently show up. I think he was a violent man. Didn't he rape women or something? I don't remember, but I think I think he wasn't a good guy. And as we were walking away from there, all of a sudden I was on the ground, and I don't know exactly how I ended up on the ground, but yeah, I smashed my face too. A maid who was washing a window nearby reportedly saw me fall and screamed, Phantasma! Phantasma! She said there was a dark figure hovering above me, and they found a massive handprint on my back. Yikes. Dalton also has heard the clicking of high heels enter the next bathroom stall when only a male colleague was in the bar area during closing. 
She looked under the stall and saw no feet. She bolted for the door but could not get it open. When it finally jerked open, as I was running out, I could hear a little kid giggling, Dalton said. Some of the rooms are haunted. The creepiest rooms are room 2209, whose digits, Denise, eerily add up to the number 13. Or coolly add up to number 13. (laughs) Room 1209, which is right below that one, and room 5. Dalton said you'd fix the room up, rent the room, and guests would find chairs stacked upon chairs. The bed mattress flipped over, and the TV would be on that white ghost static whatever. You could drive by at night, look at room 5, and that TV would be glowing. They had electricity and outlets checked, changed the TV, and even moved it, but it still turns on. Guests would quickly check out of those rooms after getting freaked out. Some of them claimed that the toilet paper would roll onto the floor, unlocked doors wouldn't open, sheets would fly off guests lying in bed, lights would randomly turn on, and there were scratching sounds and apparitions. And a groundskeeper saw the apparition of a man in a bowler hat and clothes from the 1800s, and he vanished once he was seen. The Brookdale Lodge is a happy memory for many people who either live in or visit the Santa Cruz area. Hopefully, it is one day restored to its former glory. Whether it is restored or not, it seems the spirits will continue to hang out at the lodge. Is the Brookdale Lodge haunted? That is for you to decide. Another place for us to check out in Northern California. We'd love to have you guys check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And Denise, if people want to send us some feedback, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. We did receive an email from William about famous prisoners at Leavenworth. James Earl Ray, March 10th, 1928 to April 23rd, 1998, was the assassin of Martin Luther King Jr. on April 4th, 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee. Ray was convicted on his 41st birthday after entering a guilty plea to forego a jury trial. Had he been found guilty by jury trial, he would have been eligible for the death penalty. Robert Franklin Stroud, January 28, 1890 to November 21, 1963, known as the Birdman of Alcatraz, was an American federal prisoner and author who has been cited as one of the United States' most notorious criminals. During his time at Leavenworth Penitentiary, he reared and sold birds and became a respected ornithologist. But because of regulations, he was not permitted to keep birds at Alcatraz, where he was incarcerated from 1942 to 1959. Stroud was never released from the federal prison system. Thanks, William, for letting us know that about the Leavenworth prison. And then we heard from Mindy, who is the listener who suggested to us to do something in Venice. So we did our Legends of Venice. And uh, she just sent us an email thanking us so much for the Venice episode. She said it was such a treat, and she smiled the entire time that we spoke through her earbuds. She's been on a tiny island near Sicily for a few months working on a research project, and so she had no internet. So then this week she comes back and got to binge listen. She said, yes, there is a small amount of literature on ghosts in English, but there's a lot in Italiano and also French. Likely not on the internet so much. The regional and state government actually forbid this kind of tourism or historical information to be spread until about four years ago, so it's very hard to find ghost story lore in any place in Italy unless you're there speaking and listening. So that would explain why I was like, I can't find anything. Exactly. However, I would say you did a smashing good job and listener curiosity is running rampant. You made me want to visit Venezia immediately, and then I remembered I live 30 minutes away by train. Lucky girl. Also, you are spot on with the city improvements. It has been sinking in more ways than one until generous nonprofit donations have come in the last decade. Today, you would be even more pleased than from your second trip. It's amazing. Slightly more commercial, but thankfully alive for the time being. 
And then we talked about how the one building had the camel on the outside of it. She said it was brought back as loot from the Ottoman raids. And these lions, camels, hippos, etc. can be seen in various places around the city and region, but are harder to find. So we were like, why would there be a camel there? We, we missed out seeing hippos and lions. It was a sign of great wealth and story and an honor for the family. So much of the beauty in Venice was stolen and taken from raids abroad. Part of the mystique, all the confluence of religions and cultures. Greek, Turkish, Arabian, Chinese, Russian, and not only from the Spice Road. Also, the lagoon was started by Venetia people, name of the actual region, until Attila the Hun and troops invaded and they escaped to these islands. On San Giorgio, in the yard of a small church, there's still the official stone chair that Attila used as throne. Uh, She also said there's only one recommendable ghost tour in Venice. There are four by license, but only one that is based on research and past stories. The rest are simple folk legend about Casanova, mass balls, prostitutes, and nuns. She didn't say which one, so... Let us know, Mindy, which one of those ghost tours is the best one that you would recommend. Then, Denise, we in the HCB Running Club have started another challenge to get some bling. Yes, so that's the Annabelle Lee Challenge. It's 29.7 miles, and you can register at yes.fit. And we do have a link in the Running Club, so you can just click on the link and register for your next race. We need to finish it by May 15th. All right. Sounds like a lot of fun. And that is 2018. And we also had a design contest because we wanted to make up an HGB running club shirt and we had two entries and we liked them both. So they are both going to be available in the Emporium on running shirts. So we want to congratulate April Barber, who had a cute little running ghost in track shoes. Congratulations, April. And Bob Sherfield, who had black shock. So like running away from the black dogs, those big black dogs that they have over in the UK with the red eyes. Oh, yeah. So we like to design a lot too, Rob. Yeah. So we're running from the black dog. We have these reviews from Apple Podcasts. First up, we have Ms. Tammy, my number one five stars. I started working in a warehouse on third shift. And since we are allowed to wear headphones, I needed something besides music to spend my nights listening to. A friend got me into podcasts. He made a few suggestions, but I was not finding anything that fit me until I stumbled across your show. I was hooked. I've not listened to every show yet. As with age, wisdom sets in and you learn to savor and enjoy. And boy, have I. Thank you, ladies, for all the hard work you put into your podcast. It is unique and there isn't another one like it. I love going to work at night knowing that my friends are going to join me and keep me company and regale me in stories like we're sitting around the campfire. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Tammy. We enjoy hanging out with you at work. Monet W, Madam LaLaurie, five stars. Oh my God. Thank you so much, ladies, for doing this one. I had hit up a couple of my murder mystery podcasts that I listened to begging them to do this one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is most definitely one of my favorites amongst many. But sadly to say that I started from scratch at episode one and I'm now on 110. Even though it will take me a bit, I'm super excited to hear of all the places that you've researched and gone to. You do an amazing job. P.S. I myself am Creole, as the old folks say, and my family is from many different parts of Louisiana, so this was super fun for me. Well, thank you, Monet, for sending us over that review, and I saw your comment on YouTube as well. Thank you. And do not look. Thank you from Los Angeles, five stars. Thank you for making my mind escape from work into other places of the world. Every time I listen to a podcast, I always Google all the places on your show. Thanks. Is there anything on haunted vehicles? Would love to hear something about that. Well, you know what? We'll go ahead and look into it and see what we find. Thank you for sending us those reviews. We greatly appreciate them. We want to thank you all for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. Joining us here in the cemetery are Paul Pisano, and he's going to be getting a garden crypt. 
Megan Sonemoser, she'll be having a chest tomb built for her. And Patricia Callahan, thank you for your very generous one-time donation. And we heard from the gravedigger, and he said he's going to go ahead and put you in a garden crypt for a year. So you'll have a nice, cozy place to stay for at least a year, and then I guess he's digging you up, and who knows what happens to you then. Yes, you will be re-interned. Sweet dreams. 